0: Hej och välkomna tillbaka till Tullpodden som är en podd för dig som vill veta mer om aktuella frågor inom tullområdet. Tullpodden görs av tullkonsultföretaget Ekus i samarbete med kommunikationsbyrån Ignas Communications. Jag heter Rickard Ignas och med mig i studion har jag tullspecialisten Christian Halse som är poddens tullexpert. Välkommen Christian. Tack så mycket. With us as a guest in the program we have Peter Milborn from AstraZeneca. Welcome Peter to Toolpodden.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: You are director at AstraZeneca and responsible for the company's customs management. Can you please describe uh, your job? Uh,
1: Yes, so uh, my responsibility covers uh, customs and VAT. Uh, We have a global team, so based in four different countries. Uh, We have a customs manager in the US, a customs manager in Sweden and a customs manager in the UK, and we provide advice and guidance to the business, particularly when there's a supply chain change, um, and we also direct strategy of the business and, and look after things like um, the policy on valuation and classification for for the group. And AstraZeneca is a global company. You work around the world. That that's absolutely right. We we have um companies in, in eighty countries around the world. Um and obviously a lot of them are involved in importing our products. Um and a, a small number are involved in exporting as well, the, the main manufacturing sites being in Europe and the US and China.
0: I'd like to start to discuss the big picture. Uh, Yesterday, the Swedish Prime Minister Stefan Löfven visited uh, the American President Donald Trump in the White House and uh, they discussed the introduction of steel tariffs and uh, also tariffs on aluminium. What do you think of this meeting and what do you think about the risk of a trade war now between the
1: U.S. and the EU? So um, introducing this type of tariff is is not new. Um, the U.S. introduced similar steel tariffs with particularly Brazil a number of years ago. Um, I think it tends to be an attempt to flex muscle and, and show that they're an important co- country in, in go- global trade. Uh, this time it's the U.S., um, and it, as I say, it's just to reposition themselves and, and ask people to recognise how important they are. Um, hopefully it won't descend into a, a full trade war. No, Nobody really wants that. I'm not sure that any country ultimately benefits from that type of trade war and, and increased tariffs on, on products. And there's already been suggestions that Europe will retaliate with tariffs on what are perceived as, as American products. To say it, it it ultimately isn't isn't beneficial um but it does raise the question you know are we in a period where there's more interest in protectionism than than in free trade um we will we'll probably have to wait and see how things develop this us administration i think is very different to to previous ones um so we'll we'll see how how matters progress
0: do you have any comment, uh, Christian?
2: No, I think we can see two trends. The, we have this protectionism in U.S., but if you look at the other parts of the world, it's a very uh, favorable environment for free trade. So that's my impression. Yeah.
0: So uh, when you say it's a favorable environment, what do you mean? You uh, like
2: in Far East Asia, Africa.
0: So there is no big sh- shift now from free trade to protectionism. That's not the trend, yeah, or. Uh, that's what I read into what yeah. you say.
1: I don't think it's a trend as I said before I, I think it's more the U.S. trying to re-establish itself as being a, a key player in, in the global economy rather than a, a, a trend for all countries you know just protecting their, their own industries. Um, industry in general is, is global. Um, it's It's quite rare to find that one country has the monopoly on producing a particular product. So if people go for protectionism, that's going to be detrimental to their own people because it means that they, they won't have certain goods available and they'll have a, a, a glut of products in, in that country because no one else will import them because of the, the excessive tariffs. Um, th- things, I think, are very different to, to how they might have been 20 and 30 years ago, let alone before that.
0: Okay, let's mo- move on to uh, Brexit. Uh, I'd like to start with the same question I asked the British ambassador to Sweden, Mr. David Cairns, when he visited the program. And uh, we asked him um, that many Swedes are concerned that uh, uh, over Brexit and uh, would like uh, it not to happen. Uh, do you think it's possible to stop Brexit from happening?
1: I think it would be extremely difficult. There's, there's still a... a- group in the UK who would have voted Remain, who continue to believe that that would have been the right answer and, and they are in the press regularly suggesting that there should be a second referendum. Um, the, the trouble is that a lot of people's reaction to that is, and if that is to Remain do we then have a third referendum and if that's to Leave do we have a fourth and then a fifth? I, I think that the UK government is seems very focused on on achieving a good Brexit, one one that works not just for the UK but for Europe as well, and and I think that's that's where their attention is. I don't think that at the moment that there doesn't seem to be a feeling that the government is is planning a, a another referendum.
0: Uh, what's the industry's opinion? Uh, do they think there is any opportunities in Brexit, or is it just negative for the industry in the UK? I,
1: I think that there's potential opportunities. A lot will depend on on what. Brexit finally looks like. Um, at the moment, for example, that there, there isn't a free trade agreement between the EU and China. China's the fastest growing economy in the world. Um, the, the question in the UK is, would there be an opportunity for the UK to achieve an FTA with China when we've left the EU, where they're then negotiating with one country rather than 28 in the way that China has FTAs with Australia, with Switzerland, and, and a large number of other countries. Um, so I think that's perhaps where the opportunities lie, is to increase trade in, in those areas um, and and looking more globally and, and, I guess, pushing the UK interest as being paramount rather than as being part of a, a, a more homogenous EU interest.
0: The uh, United Kingdom is one of Sweden's largest trading partners and uh, uh, the Brexit can potentially have very negative consequences for Swedish companies. Uh, what's your comment to that?
1: And obviously AstraZeneca is an Anglo-Swedish organization, a, a, a merger of, of Astra in, in Sweden and, and Zeneca in the UK. Uh, so it's it's very important to us that trade between the two. Sweden is, is a key part of of our organisation um, and and in some cases it's possible to to mitigate costs such as duty but then there are other non-trade implications uh, simple availability moving goods across borders is going to be more difficult uh, and then in, in our industry the whole regulatory uh, framework around goods being made available whether that's in the EU or in the UK um, Ne- needs to be addressed. Do you have any comment, Christian?
0: Uh,
2: I think, especially for us, it's a much bigger picture than just customs, as you, you were discussing. And I mean, the regulatory environment to just approve medicines that would be a major uh, challenge for you.
0: Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of uncertainty for Swedish companies and uh, Anglo-Swedish companies as well. Uh, how should Swedish companies prepare for Brexit? Do you have
1: any advice? Uh, we 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 took the view that um we have to prepare for the worst and and hope it's not quite as bad as that and if it turns out to be uh a a more straightforward result then then even better um but i think the important thing is to uh look at the information you've got today so if you're trading with the uk you'll have Probably interest at returns, European sales listings, which will give you an indication of the values and, and the commodity codes that are used when goods move both from Sweden to the UK and and vice versa. Um, that will allow you to assess whether there is likely to be a duty implication um, and also the the volume of trade in terms of considering. Uh, potential delays at the border uh, in order to get customs clearance and and goods being allowed to come through. Um, One of the things that we've tried to do in AstraZeneca is to have uh, working groups that involve people from different areas, so not just... um, tax and and my team looking after customs, sitting in isolation, looking at this, but working with procurement, with regulatory, with operations, with R&D, because that's the only way to flush out all of the different issues that might arise. Um, As I was saying, the Interstat data will tell you what you're moving today, but what it might not tell you is you have a supplier that's moving goods into your country uh, for a process before then selling the goods domestically um, but if those goods are currently starting in the UK and coming to Sweden then you need to consider whether there'll be a duty implication for those goods as well even though on paper it looks like it's a purchase in Sweden um, it there will be a cross-border leg going forward and and working with with the other groups has helped to Highlight that, because as you're talking about the different scenarios, someone will say, "Oh, we, we have two situations where that happens, this one, and explain it, and then and then this one." We had no visibility over that.
2: I think that's a key success factor to involve all the company from purchasing from R and D. That's it, that's not only for Brexit preparation; it's for all customs. Strategy no, that, that, that's issue. Absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely right, yes. But
0: you have done some down-to-earth calculations. Can you explain
1: what uh, you have done in your preparations for Brexit? Yeah, so um, firstly, as I say, we, we looked at the uh, Intrastat data because that, that's a good source of information regarding the types of goods that are moving both from the UK to, to the EU and the EU to the UK. And we were able to, to assess from that um, which type of product would be subject to duty uh, assuming that the UK adopts the same tariffs as the EU which is is their declared intention um, and, and also to, to recognize that in a number of cases that there, there will be no duty because pharmaceuticals are are typically zero percent um, but th- there will be situations where where duty will arise and then the other aspect is looking at our use of free trade agreements, uh, where we ship goods to uh, Mexico, Chile, Israel, uh, etc. South Korea, uh, where the import is at 0% because of the EU free trade agreement. Uh,
0: what is the biggest challenges that you face?
1: I think the, one of the biggest challenges is is clarity over what the end structure will be. There's still a lot of discussion, uh, I think, in public both the EU and the UK are taking a political stance so as not to give away their negotiating position. So it, in some cases, it's quite difficult to establish exactly what the, the final position will be, um, which is why we've we've looked at the worst case, established what the cost may be, and then looked at uh, potential opportunities to mitigate that. So for, for goods coming into the uk um where at the moment they're duty free because they're coming from the eu Um, we would look at introducing an inward processing program a a customs program to to remove the duty cost that that's helpful but that isn't going to work where we're using eu free trade agreements if it's not possible to grandfather those agreements and continue to use them uh, until the uk have negotiated their own um, and I think that's therefore where we see the biggest cost is is the import into the countries that have an EU FTA if the UK is no longer part of that.
0: How significant are non-tariff barriers potentially erasing from the UK leaving the single market and the customs
1: union? I, I think for, for us, um, medicine regulation is is absolutely key. Everything we make um, ends up inside a human. We we make prescription pharmaceuticals, and they're they're appropriately regulated uh, by the European Medicines Agency. So uh, there's a process to go through in order to quality release those to say that they're they're fit to be delivered to patients. At the moment, we have a lot of medicines that are QP released in the UK. it appears at the moment that in 13 months time they will have to be qp re- qp released in sweden uh, being our biggest eu what do
0: you mean by uh, qp release so, so th-
1: this is to say that the, the 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 batch that's been made is of the the appropriate standard to be delivered to patients if it if it fails qp release then then it has to be destroyed
0: so there is a potential risk that uh, patients in europe will not get medicine because of brexit
1: Well, we're working very hard to make sure that we can do that duplicate testing in the EU as well as the UK in order that that we can continue to deliver the medicines. But that requires changing our registration with the EMA in order that they recognise that the release is now being done by a different entity in the EU compared to today. And, and, And that is quite a lengthy process and obviously all companies that have medicines released in the UK today will need to go through the process of applying to have their authorisations changed. So that means there's an awful lot of work for the EMA to do in in what's now a very short space of time. And the EMA will move to Amsterdam. It it will indeed. So they obviously have a a relocation to go through recruitment. Um, I guess inevitably not everybody that's currently employed in the UK the EMA will will wish to move to Amsterdam so they'll have to recruit new staff um, and 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 deal with with all this administration um,
0: so more bureaucracy in the as a result of brexit
1: it, it, it will be potentially clearly we're, we're still 12 months away it's possible that that there will be a mutual recognition agreement in place and that the EU at least for an interim period, Will recognise that release done in the UK in 13 months' time will be the same as it is today, which is to EU standards, um, and and will 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 accept that and and allow medicines to to continue to move in the same way that they do today. But as I say, we have to work on the basis that that may not happen. So as I say, we're we're doing everything we can to put in place duplicate testing and preparing applications to to change the authorization i think
2: that's one thing that's very underestimated is all those other regulatory troubles with brexit it's uh, a lot of focus especially within the customs community on technical solutions on the borders and things like that but if you don't have the approval from the Right authorities,
1: and of course, it's not just medicines either. Yeah. Food, food in particular, is another another area where it's it's again heavily regulated um, for for health reasons, and oh. and and that needs to be addressed. There, there is potential issues at the border, undoubtedly, because at the moment you know oh. goods move freely. There, there is no border, so when you introduce a border, then you know there's there's potential for delays, but making sure that the regulatory approvals are in place and that the appropriate testing is done is is i would say for us our number one priority.
0: Uh let's move on. I'd like to ask you about uh, AstraZeneca's work with the customs and um uh, you have a long experience from working with customs in different companies and now lately here with AstraZeneca and you also Christian has worked for AstraZeneca. Yes, a very <laughs> fantastic <laughs> we, uh, company. Uh, yes um so based on your experience what is your best advice you would like to give to the listeners who works as a custom managers uh, how to manage customs issues what, what do you say peter
1: so, so i think the um the first thing is to to be aware of of what supply chains the company has i know that sounds obvious but sometimes uh people don't go to the trouble of of looking at the supply chains in detail to understand where goods are moving and, and and what processes are taking place in order to assess whether that is the most efficient. Uh, we mentioned earlier free trade agreements. In some cases, something as simple as, you know, having all your packing done in what's seen as a low-cost country s- such as China or Vietnam means that you no longer qualify to use an FTA. So you've, you've saved money on packing the goods, but now you're incurring duty when the goods are sold into countries where otherwise an FTA would apply. Um, so that's why it's important to get a really good, deep understanding of, of what the company's doing, where it's doing it, and and, and what the impact of, of that is. Um, it's also important to have a, a good relationship with people in other parts of the business, um, people in the logistics function, procurement, operations, R and D, again for for the same reasons, um, and 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 looking at opportunities to to save duties to say whether that's from, uh, use of an FTA, from the use of a customs program. Uh, in some cases, the saving may not justify the administration but at least raising that tells people that um this is this is a possibility you're doing your job and when something else happens they may say well actually it looks like we're going to incur a lot of duty i better talk to this person who was going to save us that 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 amount previously
2: How can I do to raise awareness of customs and trade, compliance issues within the company?
1: And I I would have said a couple of years ago that that was hard work. All you could do is is look for the opportunity to say, we've made this saving or there's an opportunity here. Um, Certainly in the UK, I don't think customs has ever had a higher profile. Um, I I am now regularly asked questions um, about customs issues at a very senior level to To understand either when there's a, a meeting with ministers, whether whether there's a, a meeting overseas, w- are there any issues that, that ought to be raised? Um, it's it's gained a, a very very high profile in the UK as a result of Brexit, as people look at the impact of having traded in the UK. You know, I guess very happily for for 25 years without without a border with the EU. Um, But in the absence of that, as I say, it is just continually raising the awareness by commenting on different opportunities, savings that can be made, efficiencies that can be introduced.
0: All right. Thank you very much for a very interesting discussion. I'd like to thank you for participating in the program, Peter.
1: That's fine. Thank you very much for inviting me. That was very interesting.
0: Thank you, Christian, for your comments and advice. Thanks, Michael. I nästa program av Tullpodden så har vi Maria Ranka från Stockholms handelskammare som gäst. Så det ska bli intressant att träffa henne. Eller vad säger du Christian? Ja det ska bli. Tack för att ni lyssnade. Tullpodden ges ut av tullkonsultföretaget Ekus i samarbete med kommunikationsbyrån Ydernaus Communications.